Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Appreciate the emotion, Alex, and the heart in that. Gosh, how are you guys doing? I don't know. I can ask you, but I, I don't have really feedback. I'll look at comments later. Uh, gosh, what a, a strange time as things just continue. I know even planning to go and visit my cousin in Napa. She's talking about things closing down and not being able to do that. Uh, crazy, crazy time. Um, few things going on this week. Uh, we will not be doing the take two uh, this afternoon at five o'clock or this evening. Uh, so we won't be doing that on Instagram tonight. We will be doing the meditative prayer Monday at 10 a.m., a time of prayer. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, you can join with that. want to let you know also, if you want to keep up to date with some of the things that are happening, you can uh, get on the mailing list for the newsletter at info at thegenesisstory.com. We will also post the newsletter on Facebook where you can go and look at it or our website, again, thegenesisstory.com. Trying to find ways to stay in contact with everybody and let them know what is happening. Of course, as of right now, we have no plan of when we can gather together, although we are trying to find ways where people can get together I know my wife and some ladies got together this week and are planning to do that on a regular basis. I hope you are making efforts to connect with some people, not just virtually, but physically, even if it is at a distance, even if it's six feet apart, wearing masks, it is, I think, important for you to maintain contact with people emotionally and so many ways. I know my wife said that after they met, she just felt like, oh, man, it was a breath of fresh air, even if they did have masks on, right? It was so good to see people who they haven't seen in a long time and how refreshing it is to be able to connect with people. And so I hope you are continuing to do that. We also want to find other ways where we can extend ourselves. Um, extending ourselves through social media is really probably the easiest way and most effective way right now. Um, And so through social media, posting things that uh, you know of, if someone has a need, uh, being able to extend to them whatever help you can, um, and maybe even posting something on your social media, inviting your friends or people you know if they have a need to let you know about those things. As needs come up, we are trying to present those things. But remember, this isn't something that 
Genesis as an organization does. This is something that the church does. And the church is not a building. It is us, the people. And so I pray we would be the church now more than ever. I want to extend thank you to so many of you who helped with the fundraiser that we had for Colleen. Uh, We love you, Colleen. And we were able to raise, I believe it was $3,520 for her to help as she's been out of work on disability and uh, fighting cancer um, and going through chemo and dealing with the sickness, having to make ends meet throughout this time while she's not able to work and having to pay the bills. So thank you, everyone who stepped up and helped in that way. I know that Kirk is needing some surgery, too, for his uh, mouth and some dental work, I think, that he needs. And so there is a GoFundMe on my Facebook page, as well as Rachel Newell uh, started that, if you want to help out in that way. And again, whatever ways we can, if you know of any jobs, people who are hiring please let us know. You can send it again at info at thegenesisstory.com. There are people we know who are looking for work and we could kind of forward that lead to them that maybe something would help out so that they could make ends meet through this time. This is going to be going on for a while. These kinds of things are going to be taking place and it's important that we step into it with a good Uh, attitude as well as a posture to help you know it's it's wearing on people it's wearing on me it's exhausting and yeah I can maybe help out financially here and a little bit there but the knees are going to grow up so much where I can't and you can't meet all the financial needs that are there but maybe some of your friends can Maybe a little bit can go a lot further if a lot of us get involved. It was so great to see people who don't know Colleen, friends of friends, also contribute money to help in these areas. And so um, it's really going to be how we can move forward together through the difficulties that are there. We still want to do things that are going to be helping our community here in Upland, even as we did a while back, trying to promote businesses that are able to still meet. And again, that'll be as things develop and are allowed to meet because things keep on changing. But anyway, I hope you guys are hanging in there and reaching out to people. Don't seclude yourself. Don't isolate yourself from others extend yourself. I know a lot of you have family that you stay in contact with, and that's great. But some of you don't have family that you're able to reach out to and interact with. And so I hope that you will take the time and effort to extend yourself to a few people that you know in some way. All right. And if you are a person who is at risk and are afraid to go out, even with the mask on to some degree, um, try and do it FaceTime. Try and do something to connect with people. We need connection, right? We need connection. And it's so hard when all the ways that we would normally connect have become dangerous or have become 
controversial, um, we have to find ways to connect. And so I hope you will. And I want to thank you for joining us here. We're going to try and again find more ways to connect with you better. But right now, this is what we got and this is what we're doing. And so I hope that you will join us when we do get together and do things so that we can be together, even if it's in a way like this. Okay, we are in Daniel chapter 3, continuing our series entitled Unmoved. And this morning, I want to talk to you about a tale of two statues, the macro, the micro, and the minuscule a pastor's conference, and Babylon, what they have in common, fitness fitness infomercials, and badgers. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's start off reading Daniel chapter 1, or Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on a plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The king Nebuchadnezzar sent to the gatherers, the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the providence gathered for the dedication of the image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image of Nebuchadnezzar that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, Bagpipe. I think that's such an interesting translation. Bagpipe. I don't know. They had to think of something. Anyway, there's a bunch of instruments and every kind of music. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Remember last week, we, in chapter 2, looked at another image, but this image was in a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and the image that was given meaning by Daniel was of the various nations that would arise throughout history. And we talked about it not being so important what the nations were, which nations it were, whether it was, you know, the Medes, the Persians, Greek, Roman, or whatever. The important thing was that these nations represented this achievement by man to to govern and rule, but they were all going to come to not by the rock not carved with human hands that was going to grow and conquer all. And that was the kingdom of God, God doing a work in spite of all the things that man did to try and control and oppress. God was going to do something that was going to actually liberate. Well, now moving from this idea of a giant statue that represents nations, we come more to this micro establishment of the king wanting us to understand this image and to worship him. 
the writers wanting us to see the image of imperial power now showing up in the king. You ever just want to scream? You ever just like want to to shake somebody and try and get them to wake up? I'm sure that's happening a lot these days, right? You'll watch something on the news that'll just cut you and you'll think, what are you thinking? What are you saying? What are you doing? And, And it doesn't matter. There is enough junk to go around. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are on. There are enough people saying enough things to get you upset. But what drives me crazy is, wasn't it just the previous chapter that King Nebuchadnezzar said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of lords? What happened, right? Now he's building this 90-foot statue, this image that he wants people to worship. What happened to this other God? What happened to the the homage that you were giving to Daniel and to his God. And now that's all thrown out the window because he's got this idea. I want people to worship this image of myself or the image that I've created that represents me and my kingdom. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many times that I've talked with people and they seem so open right, to understanding maybe it's about God or the gospel or Jesus, and then the next moment they're closed. There's people who you talk and try and reason with about things that are going on in their lives, maybe an addiction that they have, some things that they're doing that are just causing trauma and and problems to the people, and they're open to it, and then the next time they're closed to it. And and let's, let's not forget to look inward. There's times where I I, I look at my own life and it seems like I'm doing well, I'm open, I'm very receptive. And other times I'm just a jerk. I'm an idiot. I, I speak to the people I love harshly and emotionally just overrun by whatever, right? We all live in this kind of schizophrenic world where things are this way and then things are this way. And it just, it gets so it's just crazy, And we see that happening with King Nebuchadnezzar, but we see here a person who has power able to now use that authority to bring about detriment to those who do not comply to what he wanted. We started with the macro. We are now focusing on the micro, the nations and the image of power, the king and the exaggerated ego of power. And that ego is something that starts to show up. It shows up first in a person, but then it'll manifest in what that person does. It it can show up in the person's work. It can show up in the person's business. It can show up in the person's family. It shows up because it's an extension of what is happening in that person. We see then that the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence actually start to gravitate towards the king and his power. In verse 8, therefore, at at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews They declared to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews 
whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We have this proximity to power, which is now seen in Nebuchadnezzar, wanting to hold close to that power and actually jealous of others who are in power. Remember, last time we saw Daniel and his friends were elevated by the king. And so now we see these people wanting to bring down Daniel's friends. We don't see Daniel in this chapter. We don't know where he's at, but we see there is a reaction to power and wanting to gravitate to it. I think it's an interesting thing when you see how power affects people, right? People have said absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think what absolute power does is reveal. I I believe that when people have control, it reveals what they will do when they have control. And, And it's interesting to see how people behave when there is this idea of power around them. I mean, we we can see it even in kind of celebrities, right? Have you ever been to a place where there was maybe some celebrity and you were wanting to to see if you could get a you know close to them? I remember one time being able to go uh, backstage or to the Forum Club when Paul McCartney was doing a concert and there was this whole spread and all these people and I was like, oh man, look at all these people here and I don't know any of them, but just the feeling of being in the same room made you feel good, like, hey, I'm special, I'm in this room. And it's interesting the things that happen when you are in those environments, how it affects us, how it, how it changes us. I can remember one time at a pastor's conference and talking to various pastors And then they'd be talking to me until they saw a pastor who was a really important pastor at a big church come by. And then you could just see them kind of looking over the other way. And I became incidental. I became invisible. It's like, oh yeah, I don't really need to talk to you. I want to talk to them because they're important. They're big. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm glad, you know, we had this conversation until you saw someone else. And then you just wanted to go over there for whatever reason, because that person has the status right we we gravitate to these things and it affects us and maybe we are aware of it and maybe we're not and if we're not aware of it i think we need to be i think we need to see how this pull is in our lives and maybe some of you it's not at all and kudos to you if it isn't but i know a lot of people it even happens at work who's the boss who's the one who you can get the promotion from who do you start kind of catering to you see these people they start kind of kissing up to nebuchadnezzar because they want to take power away from these guys and they really want it for themselves right and so we're seeing a picture again of the kingdoms of the king and now the king's officials, all this grab for power. And yet Jesus said, Matthew 23, they love the place of honor and feasts and of best seats in the synagogues and greetings and marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher 
and you are all brothers. Jesus is reversing that, trying to bring a a change of attitude to this hierarchy, right? And so he says, you're not supposed to call anyone rabbi, right? I have told people before and have gotten kind of blasted at times for it. I don't like the title pastor. It's not that I don't recognize the responsibility. I do, I feel it. But I don't like titles. I don't like people thinking that my position is any better than someone else. It's different, but we are brothers. We are sisters. We are on the same playing field. I don't have a closer you know, line to God than anyone else. God loves you as much as he loves me or any pastor or any teacher, right? And aren't these people who Lord, over you, the people who are taking advantage of you, why would you cater to them? And then why would you want to be like them? And and it's one of these inward questions where we, we have to do a search in ourselves and say, am I trying to get a position of power? Am I wanting that people's eyes are on me for the sake of me being important? What do I do with the attention that I get? What do I do with the power I yield? Do I act like Nebuchadnezzar and his cohorts, or do I act like Jesus and give it away? What are we going to do? Right? These people are using whatever they can to belittle, to alienate. And here what they do is they use the ethnicity of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are Jews, right? They are foreigners. They are not like us. They find the things that are distinct and they pit them against the king. They're not like us. They are this. And our history is riddled with this with things of ethnicity, with things of diversity, religious intolerance. It happens throughout history in so many ways where people will find the other and just because they are different, use that as a leverage against. And we are seeing that show up here. We saw the big picture of nations and their oppression. We're seeing a king, his oppression. We're seeing his advisors and their oppression. Where does it stop? It stops with us. It stops with us. It stops when we say, no, that's not how it is, and that's not how I'm going to act. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of instrument, imagine there's a fanfare here, right? When you hear the blast, this music starts carrying on. When you hear that, to fall down and worship the image that I have made. 
Well and good, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Don't you remember what you just said last time? That there was no other God like Dan? Well, that's not today. The response, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So many things in this passage. So many questions I have, like, was it that big of a deal? You know, I mean, I wonder how would I feel in that situation? You know, when the music played, would I like bend down to tie my shoe? Like, okay, you know, I'm not really worshiping, but I, you know, don't lack the fire, don't want to get burned. What would you do? What What is the reason for such resistance? And for them being Jews, we know that, Worshiping any other God was at the top of the don't do list. This was something that was paramount to them, that they had to make a stand on this. We we talked about this before, how Daniel didn't make a stand about his name being changed or even about the king falling down and paying homage and worship to him, but he did with his diet. There there are certain things that stood out, and, and this was one of the things that they did And their response is interesting because they said, well, if God who we serve wants to, he can deliver us. But then I almost feel like they give this little out. But if not, we're still not going to do that. In other words, it's kind of like God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, well, we're still not going to worship you. It's like one of those fitness infomercials that you see. Right, where you, you've got these people who are just like buff and tone, and they say, Yes, if you just eat this supplement, take these vitamins, you know, you'll do this. But then it'll also have a little caveat there that'll say, Actual results may vary, right? The results may vary because you have to also exercise, you also have to eat right, you know, and, and you've got these people who are just fit and buff and toned, and, and it's not just because they eat or take the supplements because they work out every day for a few hours, right? That's how they get to look like they are looking. It's not because they just have this little rubber band thing and go like this, right? I I know. Um, It's one of these things where if God wants to, he can, but actual results may vary. You see, I, I would love to be able to, this morning, just give you guys this passionate plea that God is going to always deliver, that we do not have to be afraid of COVID. We do not have to fear what is happening. We don't have to worry about these things because God is with us. And I can quote Psalm 91, right? That you will not fear the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor that destruction that wastes at noonday. I I could just plead with you and I could have sweat and I could just share and I would love to do that. I would love nothing better than to tell you guys, you don't have to worry about anything. Nothing is going to harm you. Nothing is going to touch you, but that is not the truth. 
actual results may vary. There are some of you who may contract the COVID. I heard a, a fireman just passed away in LA County from COVID. Some of you have been healed of cancer. Some of you may not. We know people who have not. We know those who we have loved and have lost. And it's not about how hard you believe and it's not about how how much you pray and how much faith you have. Actual results vary. And I don't know the reason why. And here we have a story that we can all get behind and say, yes, this one ends well. But I love the fact that they say, if not. You see, they chose to choose how they were gonna live regardless of the results that were going to affect them. We, we have to make that kind of commitment to the things. And maybe it's not a life and death. Maybe we are not gonna be thrown into a fiery furnace. Gosh, I hope not, right? But how am I going to live? How am I gonna conduct myself, right? Let, let's back it down a couple of notches, right? Let, let's back down and say, okay, our life is not on the line, but maybe it's what we feel is our freedoms, right? Maybe it's something else or our reputation. Maybe some of the other things or someone is saying something that irks us. I still have an obligation of how I am going to live. Am I going to assert myself, my will? Am I going to try and get a proximity to power and authority so that I can have control? Or am I going to be a person of passion for others, of empathy, caring, and being concerned to the point where even if I don't think I need a mask. If you want me to wear a mask, I will wear a mask. Even if I think one way, I am willing to do what is necessary so I can have a conversation that is deeper and going to take us further in our relationship so I can have a voice in your life in the future and not shut the door today because I am so rigid in what I'm going to do and trying to hold on to what power I can accomplish or accumulate that I end up becoming like one of the king's advisors or like the king and not realizing that instead, I want to be like Jesus. It goes on, verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. How dare you say you will not worship? How dare you say you do not believe? How dare you say you're going to vote for? How dare you say that, fill in the blanks, we have enough confrontation and conflict right now that we can fill this room. How dare you is his attitude. Filled with fury. What infuriates you? Why? And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, 
and their other garments, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then, verse 24, the king was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to the counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Remember previously, the advisors to the king said regarding knowing and interpreting his dreams that he said, you need to tell me what my dream is and then interpret. And they said that the gods do not dwell with humans. We we can't do that because the gods do not dwell with humans. To which Daniel's response was, there is a God in heaven. Remember, think of dimensional, not distance. There is a God in heaven who gives understanding. In other words, there is a God who is dwelling with us. Here is not only a God who is near, but a God who is close to and with us no matter where we are. This is an extraordinary thing. And it would be easy to missed the enormity of the event because of the sensational miracle, right? This is amazing. They didn't get burned. They weren't, you know, consumed by the fire. And that becomes the focus instead of the focus being that God was with them when they were there. That God was present in the fire, right? That is something we can hold on to because actual results might vary. I can't say you won't be burned. I can't say you won't be hurt. But I can say that God will be with you. I can say that there is one near to you even in the times of difficulty. And, and oh, if we had eyes that could see and understand. Oh, oh, if we would recognize that the one who is near saves our tears in a bottle. Oh, if we would understand that it was the God who manifested himself in Jesus and wept. If we would understand how close God is, how empathetic God is, how much God cares that when we go through it, we are not alone because sometimes that's all we need to know is that I'm not alone, right? Sometimes when my kids or my grandkids are are going through something, they, they wake up, they're scared, they have a bad dream. They don't need me to answer the question, oh, dream, it's not real. It's just your subconscious mind, you know, doing things. They just need to be held, right? They just need someone to be there with them, to hold them, to know that right now you are with me through this. And I want that to be what comes across here this morning. If you feel isolated, you feel at the end of your wits, 
your wits end. That's supposed to go the other way around. If you're done, right, you, you are on your last fray. God is with you. It's okay. I understand that. I, I am exhausted in ways I never thought I would be exhausted. And, and I feel bad complaining because we still have it better than so many people. But if anything comes through this, through the fire, there is someone there with you that is coming across in spite of where everything else is falling. There is someone there with you. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door, the burning fire furnace and declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Oh, now they're servants of the most high God. Come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies of those men. Their hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell or fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. There he goes again. Got to tear him limb from limb. And their houses laid ruin. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Here we see that these guys were set not to bow and not to worship. We also see that though the advisor's plan had backfired, it wasn't going to stop them. Chapter 6, we're going to see another plan coming up against Daniel. And I think this is interesting, right? Because their determination to be a certain person, regardless of the circumstances, was something that the king saw. They were willing to put themselves on the line, right? The king said that, yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own. It reminds me of Romans 12, 1. Present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship, right? It's what we can do. You see, unless we make that stand in commitment that we're going to live this way and we're going to throw ourselves to this life that God wants us to live, it's just too easy to back away. You know, badgers are known for being persistent, They're known for being stubborn. And that can be a really good thing or a really bad thing, depending on what the situation is, right? If it's a situation where it's for their survival and they're trying to stand their own good, great. But if it's a situation where you're gonna lose and you should run, then they should run. And I think the same thing is true for us. Persistence and passion are good traits, 
when they're pointed in the right direction. But sometimes I can get passionate and persistent in my own ego. Sometimes I can be so about being right to my own detriment of character. It's real easy in this story to try inside ourselves and see ourselves in this story with Daniel's friends, right? Oh yeah, I'm like Shadrach. I'm like Meshach. I'm like Abednego. I'm like one of them. But you see, I think there's many times in life I'm like King Nebi. I'm like his advisors. There's many times where I am persistent in just wanting to be right or wanting to have control or being irate when someone doesn't do what I want. You know, I've realized as I've gotten older how OCD I am with certain things, right? And and I don't know, maybe it's because my memory's going and if I don't do things a certain way, I'll forget that I've done them or whatever. But then when something else comes into play and it starts to irk you, well, who put that there? Why did you put that there? Don't you know this is always supposed to go here? It's like, come on, it's not a big deal. Why is it irking me so bad? Do I think I have control where the chips are supposed to go every time? Is it that important? And again, this is a little thing, but it can show up in so many things. And I think our posture is so important because it just starts to grow. And if I am unmovable in my position on so many things where it's not important, I find myself becoming more and more rigid and ornery. And if I'm more persistent on the areas that are important, I become more and more healthy. If we would commit ourselves to the things that are good and of God and as much of a way and passion as we do other things, it would have so much of an effect on us. And if I would see in my life where I act more like King Nebi and his advisors, then I would be able to to stop, do a little bit of soul searching and repent. Say, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to act like that. C.S. Lewis talked about this idea of hell as being the position that a person lives in and if a person just is bitter and angry and jealous, when they get older, they just continue to grow in that way. And if they just continue growing in that way for eternity, who will they become? And the same thing is true if we become compassionate, loving, considerate, devoted, and we continue in that way. Think of who we would become. Right, And we've met those people. We've met people who are, you know, in their 80s and their most charming and loving people around. And that's all they know. It still touches my heart. I remember my daughter telling me about this couple in the hospital when she was working, a very old couple, and the lady was going through dementia and she was like losing sight. But every time the husband would say, I love you, she would say, I love you. 
And it was almost the only thing that they could say to each other that still meant something because it was so much a part of their life that it was embedded in their soul. What's embedded in our soul? What's gonna rise to the surface when the flames of life come up? Who are we? You are not who you want to be completely. I know that. I know that I am not. But there is work happening. Are we gonna let the work continue? Thank God when I realize what a jerk I am. Thank God when I realize how ornery I am. Right, And it's showing up more now than ever before. I can't tell you how hard it is for me not to post things when I read things. I'll read something and I'll like, oh man, I got a zinger, right? I'm gonna just write this out and just to hold my tongue and instead just pray, Lord, bring peace to this nation. Bring peace to my soul. Bring peace to this soul who is so angry, so agitated. God, help me to be a person who brings peace and doesn't continue the fire of hatred and animosity towards other people. I know I'm not who I want to be. Thank God I am not done becoming who I need to be. I I, I know there is a work happening in us. And may life and the difficulty be the things that God does to change who we are to who we need to be. May we be willing to see when we are the adversaries. And may we start desiring to be like those who are willing to offer our lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. Allow God to renew our mind, the way we think, to to see long-term and not just short-term, to play the long game where God's kingdom is going to rise up instead of all these little micro, minuscule kingdoms trying to hold on. May we not hold on to what does not last. And may we be the people who does do the will of God, which lasts forever. Let's pray. God, I pray for the people who I can't even see right now, who are listening, who will hear this, and who are struggling, who are emotionally overwhelmed, who are fatigued, who are angry, who are upset, who don't know how to respond when it seems like all hell is breaking loose around us. Lord, we have thousands of people meeting in the streets protesting while there's a pandemic. We have thousands of people meeting in a church singing while there's a pandemic present. Lord, we we have such craziness happening all around us. And here we are trying to make sense of something that makes no sense. And Lord, may all the idols that we've held on to crumble. May all the kingdoms and powers that we've held on to that will not last be slowly released. May we be willing to give up what cannot last to take hold of what cannot be taken away. Lord, I pray that you'd bring peace upon this 
community, these people who are listening, and I pray you would transform us the way we think so that we can reflect you to the people around us. God, may people see that we are unwilling to move when it comes to how we love and how we care about people, even our enemies. And God, show us what that looks like because it is not clear. May we understand, Lord, that we are not guaranteed freedom from pain, healing from disease, financial success, freedom from poverty. But we are promised your presence, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that you are with us to the end of the age. May we hold on to that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I pray that you would uh, use this talk to speak to our hearts today and throughout the week and throughout our lives. Lord, continue to be our king. Continue to remind us that your name is powerful. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for all our friends and family here at Genesis that are tuning in, that we're not tuning in, tuning in. And I pray that that love, Lord God, will just spread to our neighbors, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope everybody has a great week. Stay positive. Uh, stay encouraged. Take care. Love you. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.